we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just back. want somebody to share my life. If you can't be your authentic self, now you have to show up as this big person every single time. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Well, we are still in the midst of peak dating season, so I hope you've been refreshing your profiles and swiping to your heart's content. But we're also in the midst of another timeless tradition, dry January. (laughs) If you don't know what dry January is, it's when people abstain from drinking or using substances for the whole first month of the year. You know, a little little reset in the new year, a little reset after, you know, all the gluttony that December can often bring, especially pandemic December. Oh my gosh, I do not want another one of those. Anyways, I know what you might be thinking. At first glance, it doesn't seem like peak dating season and dry January really have anything to do with one another, but actually they do because a huge part of dating culture is asking someone out for a drink, having, you know, a a drink to loosen up before the date, ordering a glass of wine with dinner. I mean, honestly, I've heard so many stories of people who pregame their dates. Is that you? Y'all doing it? It's okay. It's okay. Because my guest this week is recovery specialist Adam Jablin. And he's here to share how you can absolutely do dry January or date sober or date somebody who is sober and still have a great time and really connect on dates. But first, we've got a dish. The headlines this week. A new study reveals we are still hooked on chivalry. So who pays on a first date? And sadly... It's divorce month. But Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa show us how to do it the right way. And then later, I'll answer questions from you, including, is bros before hoes still a thing? What if you're over 30? And we had a Zoom date, and he asked me out IRL. Is there a polite way to say thanks but no thanks? Ooh, this episode's going to be anything but dry. (laughs) Let's dish. D's dating dish. Post says we are still addicted to chivalry and the idea of men paying the bill on first dates. You know, I, I've talked about this a couple of times on the show before. Some of you know I am trying to shake my old-fashioned views on this because, you know, I'm, I'm so forward-thinking on so many things about dating. And I don't know why it's still in my brain as men should pay on the first date. And so... I, I, you've been watching, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've seen my evolution on this. I was like, yeah, you know what? People should go Dutch. Or like, you know, we have, we have queer daters who listen to the show who are like, what about me, Demona? How does this work for me? So what I can tell you is this study will tell you nothing if you are an LGBTQ dater. But it was interesting for heterosexual daters because they, they looked at college students, younger folks, people who have more... Uh, flexibility and openness to date in a different way. And still, they found that the attitudes were the same. Men almost always paid the entire bill on first dates and then continued to pay significantly more in subsequent dates. Although, interestingly, the effect was less pronounced among women. 
So I guess women are evolving a little more quickly on this than men still feel like it's their responsibility. And I see, here's why I think it's important because I see it holds up a lot of people. Like if you are a guy who doesn't make a lot of money, you feel like you can't ask a woman out because you can't, um, you can't comfortably do what you think you need to do to impress her on the date. And as many of you know, I'm a big fan of equality partnerships. So why are we putting this undue pressure on one gender when we want to create a system where we have a partner that supports us wholly and fully? And if women are making more money and being successful, why does it matter if you pay a little bit more? Why is that seen as emasculating to the, to the man or to the woman who is dating him? I, I'm really ready to evolve on this, y'all. I, I've been ready for like a few years and, you know, I want the college students to be ready. I want you to be ready. In my mind, it should be whoever asks the other person on a date should pay or you each pay your own way. Why are we putting so much emphasis on this? It, it, it gets in the way of being able to connect with one another. And then we start to add additional meaning to it. Like, well, he didn't pay or he asked me to go Dutch. That must mean that he doesn't like me very, very much. Maybe it means, girl, he's working on his dreams. He is in school. He is taking a step back so he could take two steps forward. Maybe he doesn't care about making money. Maybe he wants to help the world. And we're all looking at the bottom line. We're missing the ball. We're missing the ball. So help me help you help me. We got to shift our thinking and become a little bit more modern on our approach to finances on the date. Try it out the next time. Let me know how it goes. I, I legitimately want to know how it goes for you because I think we're at a changing time in culture and the, the culture will only shift if we start to shift our behaviors in alignment with our thoughts. Our next headline comes to us from the illustrious Page Six magazine. I talked about it being dry January, I talked about it being peak dating season, but January also has another notorious name. It is Divorce Month. And Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa split last week. And I don't know why, I'm not even really, like, I never made it through Aquaman. Um, loved Lisa Bonet from, you know, the old Cosby years, but... I don't know why I had such big feelings about this. I really wanted them to make it. Like they seem like such a great and conscious couple, which I guess is why they're consciously uncoupling in the best way and showing us how it's done. Jason Momoa announced their separation on Instagram. Lisa Bonet does not have social media. Good for her. <laughs> they said, um, I'm going to just read you this statement because it's, it's really quite beautiful, actually. He says, we've all felt the squeeze and change of these transformational times. A revolution is unfolding and our family is of no exception, feeling and growing from the seismic shifts occurring. And so we share a family news that we are parting ways in marriage. The love between us carries on, evolving in ways it wishes to be known and lived. We free each other to be who we are learning to become. Jason Momoa, mic drop. You you have luscious flowing hair. You have beautiful bulging muscles. Muscles, y'all. Come on, get your mind out of the gutter. And 
you are such a conscious human. And he's so right. I mean, this time, just acknowledging, first of all, that this is an experience everybody is going through, the the pandemic. And I have been talking for a while about how I believe that there was going to be a great, like there's a great resignation. There was going to be a great resignation of relationships. The great relationship resignation was coming because of the pandemic. Because we have been in this freaking pressure cooker of relationships and people having to look at one another in the eye every day, not be distracted by all these other things that we juggle to to get our attention off of the true challenges at hand. Plus, when we layer in the additional responsibilities that women have taken in the home, which has had a tremendous effect on what? Both the workforce, the great resignation, and also in relationships, we are finally seeing it now like I thought it would be when the pandemic was over and then I realized the pandemic will never be over so people are like we might as well just do it now and I now have the stats to back it up the new study revealed there was a 21 percent increase in couples initiating divorce in 2021 over 2020 so unfortunately this is just the beginning of a trend but if we can look at it the way that Jason Momoa did and see that that through this relationship ending they are freeing each other to be who they're learning to become i actually just wrote about this in my new book which is not out until 2024 so don't even try and pre-order it it's not there i'm literally just writing it right now but i'm really influenced by the ancient philosophers and and plato and socrates they talk about relationships being here not just to give us support and care but to teach us about our truth and our true self And this is the quest that we should be on in relationships, not just great sex or financial security, both of which I'm sure Lisa and Jason certainly had, but deeper understanding. This should really be the guiding principle of all of our future relationships. Hey, yo, speaking of future relationships, I want to see a relationship in your future. Enrollment is now open for the Dating Accelerator program. And I just wanted to address something before we go into the break. Sometimes I hear from people who want to work with me, but they're worried that my system won't work for them if they're not into dating apps. Like they'll say things like, it's so unromantic. I'm old fashioned. I just want someone to approach me first. I literally just answered a question like this in my new Ask Demona segment on the Drew Marymore show last week. It hasn't aired yet. That's why I haven't seen it. But uh, she literally was like, I'm old fashioned. I want to someone to approach me first. And by the end of the segment, she was hitting on a member of the crew. I don't know if you'll see that in the air, but it was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. I'll hear people say I've wasted time on dating app romances that didn't go anywhere. I literally have heard this from Drew herself for the entire last season. I will hear, I don't know anything about my date before I show up. I know you've said that to yourself or to a friend before, and that depends on which app you're using and what your screening process is. Whatever the thing is that you tell yourself about the way you want to find love or about why you haven't found the person that you're looking for, I want to inspire you with a quick story about my client, D. She joined my dating accelerator group uh, in the fall, and she needed upper flirting game. And a few weeks into the program, she sent me an email that said, Amazing things have happened since I've been watching and implementing your dating accelerator tips. 
One intention I set was to be more open to meeting people on the apps and in real life. Setting that intention has paid dividends. This week, I met a guy on a plane. I chatted with him casually, asking my screening questions that I learned in the group, and he asked for my number, and we went on a first date. I'll be back home this weekend, and I have two more first dates set up, one FaceTime and one in person. The tips on how to move from texting to the next step have been a game changer for me. Look, I share this because stories like this make me happy because I know that the powerful tools in my Dating Accelerator program work for both people who want to meet their partner in real life and on dating apps. Dee is doing both of those things successfully because she knows the system now. P.S. In case you missed it, Drew also went on a Zoom date with a guy she met online on the show, Yes For Real. That was on last week. And she told me that they're still chatting. And this is a complete 180 from her perspective on dating apps at the start of the season. So no matter your age, no matter your dating experience, your feelings on dating apps, I can help you with the Dating Accelerator program. But here's the deal. I only run this program twice a year live. And this is the only way to work with me and my team in person, face to face. So I don't want your happiness to pass you by. Program orientation starts Thursday, January 20th. It's happening. And I want the chance to change your dating life this year. You can see my plan for doing just that and how we will tailor my step-by-step strategies just for you at demonahoffman.com slash program. You have the knowledge. Now you need to know how to put it into action. Don't go it alone another year. Let me help you at demonahoffman.com slash program. Doors are closing Thursday. So let's do this. Check for the link in the show notes. Adam Jablin and Dating During Dry January are coming right up. Welcome back. I'm here with Adam Jablin. He's a certified life coach and recovery specialist. He's also the author of Lotsaholic, From a Sick to Sober Superman. He founded The Hero Project, a 90-day personal coaching program, and has been featured in CNN, Fox News, Business Insider, and Entrepreneur Magazine. Adam is 15 years clean and sober, and he has used his journey to recovery to help thousands of people rediscover a joy for living and find their purpose. Now to talk to us about how all of that work definitely will impact your dating life this month, please give big smooches to Adam Jablin. Hi, thank you for having me. Big smooches right back. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad to have you here because look, we are like, we're coming up on the end of dry January. Um, you know, some people, for some people it was, they tried it for the first time as a struggle for some people. It was like, Oh, I might want to keep on, keep on doing this. And I just find that every year this comes up like at the beginning of the year. And as people realize that they maybe are not on the path for their life that they want to be on first, before we get into any tips about dating during dry January, I just love to hear a little bit about your story and what connected you to this work. Absolutely. So I'm 15 years clean and sober. I'm an alcoholic and an addict in recovery. And before recovery, I was a maniac. (laughs) Uh, And I, of course, dated drinking and I dated high and I had a good time and I Went to Arizona State University, which was the number one party school back in the day and dominated there. I mean, so I have 
a long time now clean and sober that I could talk about and how that transition is and what dry, how dry January can help you. And I also want to let the audience know that I know exactly what it's like to want to have a social lubricant and to have some liquid courage when you're on dates. And this is like a no judgment zone. Wow. That is so awesome. And congrats to you. Thanks. I appreciate that it. is, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, you wake up every day and you get to choose. And I think sometimes we forget that you know, that we're choosing the path. And even though, you know, there's, there addiction isn't, is an illness. You sometimes you need a catalyst to begin that change. And it's great that you're the catalyst for a lot of other people. What would you say, was there a moment where you were like, mm, my life is not, is out of control and this ha has to happen. Or did you have somebody that brought you to rehab and was like, you gotta get, yeah. I mean, I had yeah. a lot of moment of clarity, moments of clarity that, um, I would end up eventually ignoring, you know, it's interesting. It's like, you get this big, beautiful window that will open up and you get to see yourself really, really clearly because you made a scene the night before you made it, you made a jerk out of yourself or you said this, or, but really quickly that window starts closing and you don't jump through and that opportunity to get clean and sober leaves and you start acting like your old self again and all the patterns come back. So I was intervened and brought to that rehabilitation center called the Hanley Center. And my life was profoundly changed. Just it, it, everything really changed. I feel like, Adam, the drinking culture is so intertwined with dating culture. It's it's really it's it's interesting. I wrote um, I write for the Washington Post date lab where we set people up on dates and do like a he said, she said. Um, or they said, and I got to write one of those this year too. That was awesome. Um, but in the last article that I did uh, that came out earlier this month, I was writing about two people who don't, don't drink. And it was such a different dynamic. And also just uh, like, it, it, it was interesting to see them both discover that the other one didn't drink and it wasn't a thing. So for anyone who is listening, that's like doing dry January or on this, this new on this journey of sobriety, how do you feel like they should address it with dates when they're meeting new people? I love the way you worded that. If you address it, like it's not a thing. If you make it a thing, it's a thing, right? The second you go, oh, I'm trying dry, dry January. I really am going to try to be a good girl or a good boy. You're basically saying there's a flip side to a coin, which is normally I would not be this person. I would like to be three martinis back telling you my life story. So act like it's not a thing. Be yourself. I don't even know if it has to be addressed. You know, well, but I feel like it's it's such in the culture like, you know, you you go out like, what are we going to do? I, do you want to go out for dinner? Do you want to go out for drinks? By the way, dinner is not a good first date. Just for anyone that's new listening to the show, don't do it. <laughs> but, you know, if you go out for drinks, then like, do you say no to drinks? Do you just go go and then get like a. a I, I don't know what, what, I don't know what you get. So, so mocktail question, right? It's like, do you go to a barber shop and not get a haircut? Right. Do, 
I would say for this month, and that, you know, this is an opinion and it's, I'm not, there's no right or wrong and there's no judgment, but I would say for this month, if when it comes to dating in your social life, if you're experimenting with dry January, there are so many different ideas you can do than drinks. And if you don't have an issue with alcohol or substances, February 1st is going to come right around the corner and then go at it, have fun, go to town. But there's a lot of different ideas that you you can do for the next 20 days or whenever you're listening to this. Okay, let's give people some ideas. So I live in LA, so you could go for a hike here. And it's great. It's funny because I told I told a client to do that somewhere else where people don't hike as much. And they were like, isn't that dangerous? <laughs> like Your body won't be found for days in L.A. Everybody hikes. So if you're somewhere that's that you have decent weather, take advantage of that. Right. Or if you're not like maybe go sledding or something. Sledding. What uh, do you like to do? <laughs> so we, we live in South Florida, similar weather. Right. But there's so like, we have this place where you could like I don't even know the name of it. You could take like these axes and throw it. Like it, it's a really cute idea that all these people go and do. It's kind of like- better to do that sober, I would say, because I'm terrified there you <laughs> of go. that in a right. bar. You know what else is sleep down here? Uh, and my my best friend actually happens to own a studio. You could take your date and go painting. And like he makes it enchanting. You light candles and you, you really like Genius. both become kids. You become kids. Uh, if you feel comfortable- you can go to the movies again. And, and, you know, there's something magical about getting popcorn and candy and soda and, and just, you know, snuggling up to somebody. But, the, you know, you, you and I could do a whole show on ideas without drinking. The, the idea of this is, is that to know that you can enjoy someone's company. You can enjoy someone's company that you're just getting to know without the social lubricant of alcohol. I actually will recommend to my clients that they set a drink maximum for, for themselves because there is a point of diminishing returns, certainly even for people who are not clean and sober, because you get to that point where you're making decisions while you're like looking through, you know, beer goggles <laughs> and you're making decisions also that are not necessarily in alignment with what you ultimately want. So like for me, I knew that I'm, I'm tiny. I'm a, I'm five feet tall. Like I can't, I can't hold anything. <laughs> I can barely hold water. <laughs> so, so for me, it was one drink. Like if I have more than one drink, I'm not, I'm not making the best choices. And I think everybody has to make that decision for themselves. But if you make a determination before you get to the date, like you, like my husband talks about it as making a decision about making a decision. I already made the decision I'm not drinking. So, or I already made the decision I'm only having one drink. And so I'm not, that's not when I'm in the moment and I'm having a good time. I don't have to make that decision again because the decision was already made before. That's the beauty of dry January. Now that, it, what you said sounds so simple and so clear. I made a decision already. I don't have to make the decision again. But there are people, people like me, that they make that decision. And once they get to the bar, once they get to the restaurant, they can't live up to that moral code. And this is where dry January kicks in because now you're watching your mind almost like a meditation. You're watching your mind and your relationship with this substance while you're trying to get to know your partner, your new partner, whatever sex it is. 
So this turns into a whole game. I want to be comfortable. I want him or her to like me. I already made a decision and round and round we go. Mm, Yeah. Been there. Totally been there. Well, what about on the flip side, if you're going out with someone like there are a lot of functional alcoholics also. The other thing I've learned from writing for Date Lab is that there are a lot of people who will pre-drink, a lot of people, Adam, who will pre-drink before the date, right? Like, oh, I just want to take the edge off by having two to three beers before I get to the date. How do you know? Because sometimes you can't tell when you get to the date, like, who am I meeting? Am I meeting the real person? Or did you have two to three drinks beforehand, what are, are there signs that people should be looking for that can indicate whether somebody is really, is, is, is kind of teetering on this edge or coming to the table as their authentic self? Absolutely. So let's just go with the easy ones. Really easy. Smell of breath, right? Eyes. Are they darting all over the place? Are they even, you know, some people it's not always drinking, it's amphetamines. It's that, are they, like really pupils dilated and really open. Um, Are they slurring their words? Are they walking, but you know, not in a straight line. You can really, the body will show you, the body will show you what the, uh, what the, you know, the substances are within it. Now, the hard part is to have the courage to trust your gut. So many people are detached. You know, if you know, then you know, then you know, you could, you could admit I'm uncomfortable. You know, when someone's lying to you, you know. So do you say something then? Like, what, like, what do you say if you, you suddenly, you know, you, you kind of, you're really looking forward to this date. You're kind of excited about this person and they aren't together. (laughs) They aren't with it. Let's say, let's, let's do two sides of the coin, right? Let's say there's a really good chemistry and there's an attraction that can't be denied and you still want to get to know the person, have fun with it. Call them out, play with it, be silly. Would you, did you, you know, would you have to see your boys before me? Like just, just be loose because there's something there that you're interested in and you never know who you're meeting and and what that person can be in your life. That's the part of dating. That's the fun part. Flip side of that coin is if, if you already have a red flag, like you already have a red flag, all of our time is valuable. Jump ship. Mm-hmm. Call an audible. Your, your friend's calling you. I don't <laughs> feel comfortable. Whatever. But get out of the situation. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. And sometimes even if, if it's not about alcohol or drugs, I see people making excuses all the time because they have a physical attraction and then they start to get attached to this idea of what the person could be instead of what's in front of them. So they let it go and they let it go. And then they're like, how did I end up in this situation, you know, months or years later? What about for those people who maybe they are not, they, they don't have a problem with drinking. Maybe they drink socially but they, they have a date with someone who doesn't drink. I find that sometimes that will bring up anxiety of like, can this actually work? Or like, what, what, do, I, what do I say about it? What should I do? Any insights? I am, I'm a big believer in always giving the person a chance, seeing if there's something there, seeing if there's a spice of life. And also let's see, like, 
can, can you really evaluate your own motives and your own mind and your own heart of why is this so important to you? Like, why is that person drinking so important to you? What is that? What does that say? Now, I'm not saying you're an alcoholic like me, but is it's a must? Mm. Like, like you're going to discount this person right off the bat because alcohol doesn't give them the same kicks as it does you. It's pretty shallow. Well, I think people, people feel like, oh, then I have to be on my best behavior. I have to walk on eggshells because what if I want to have a drink with dinner, then can I not be myself or do what I would normally do? I'm sure you say this to your clients and I'm sure it's on, I've listened to some of your shows and, and I'm sure it's on a bunch, you know, the, the, the best thing we can do, and it's so corny is be yourself. If you can't be your authentic self, now you have to show up as this fake person every single time, every single time. So just, you may as well just be yourself this first time, be silly, be rambunctious, be, authentic, be real. And if they like you, great. And if not, so be it. So you're saying it's basically up to the other person, like if they are sober and it makes them uncomfortable, if you're being your authentic self, then, you know, it, it's, it's either meant to be or it's not. So I'm clean and sober and I've, I'm divorced and I've gone on dates. And when someone else drinks, I don't judge them whatsoever because I've been that person. Got it. I've been that person. And I'm also very, very upfront with who I am and, and what I'm about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't, you know, if I'm being cute with the girl and, you know, why don't you drink it? I'm like, you know, I'm allergic. I'll break out in handcuffs, but I'll let them know, like, you know, I, you don't want to see me drink. You, know, you don't want to see that guy. You really, really don't. So you don't make it like an issue, like it doesn't become, you know, an after school special. Well, no, well, Jessica, be... there's something I've got to tell you. Oh, about myself. God, no. God, no. <laughs> God, no. What does happen for me personally is they become curious because something about my personality screams. This guy was once a partier. I mean, I still always get the wine list. I mean, you know, so something, but I, I never get preachy. I never start telling them that, you know, thank God I got sober unless they really, really, really want to get to know me and, and, and what my story is. Mm, that's so, that's so great. It's I, I can, I can feel how you show up as your authentic self. And I think that's the, that's really the message here. No, no matter Absolutely. what month it is, <laughs> what you're dealing with, just if you're, if you're your authentic self, I just want to speak for a second to anyone listening who might feel like they have a problem with drugs or alcohol. You've also written the book, Lots of Holic from a sick to sober Superman for anyone who is in a similar place that you were 15 years ago. How do you move people to sobriety, to their true super man and woman self and support them through the process in the work that you do? It's a great question. And I'm going to try to unpack it without going into some long speech. The first thing I do is I take them by the hand. I get to really know my client and find out the causes and the conditions and the patterns of why they're sitting in front of me and why they trust me. And then little by slowly, we're going to take certain action steps 
to take these old ideas and beliefs out and rewire them and replant new ones in. And it's a lot of fun. It's very emotional. It's very bonding. But what I love about what I do is they don't have to go away for treatment when they're with me. They don't have to leave their homes. They don't have to leave their husbands, wives, spouses, children. We're doing this together. Is there a time and place that all those things are necessary as in rehab, going away? Yes. But I tend to find people right before it gets really, really, really bad. And it's my passion. It's my love. I love trying to be able to help them find this, this way of life. And that's why I call it the hero's journey, like Joseph Campbell. They slay the dragons. And on the other end, you know, they're happy, they're joyous, they're free, and they return home ready to help another person. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And it's so important if you are also seeking that, that relationship, you got to be ready to, to work on yourself, to, to, to confront some of these um, patterns, like you were saying, and be willing to make steps to, to change. Otherwise they're going to show up. Like I can help you get in the relationship, but they're going to come back, they're going to show up. So I would much rather that, you know, they work these things, things through with you. And you have, you have an easy way to get started. If, if anyone's curious, um, talk to us about the hero seven. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And soon I'm going to have a PDF on the five, the, uh, the five steps, but the hero seven is a seven day free course in which spiritual in nature, in which you're with me on my website every day. And we start doing one exercise to better ourselves. So it's one random act of kindness, start journaling, start meditating, slow walks in nature, yada, yada, yada. But what it's going to do is, and you build one on top of the other. You don't do one and then put it down. So every day you're starting to put in a new spiritual practice. Even exercise is a spiritual practice because you're paying attention to the temple. You're taking care of it. After the seven days and you start looking and feeling better, this is where it's your choice to, you could, hey, you could work with me. You could take this thing as far as you want. You could explore other spiritual books and see what you want to put in. But I really believe that all of us are spirit in nature with this outside shell. Like this outside shell has changed many, many times in my 45 years. I was once the fat chubby kid. You know, then I was the, the, the handsome, charismatic uh, businessman with black hair. Now I'm the 45-year-old life mentor, life coach and mentor with, you know, silver hair. It's going to change the whole time. But my spirit, my spirit has grown and gotten better and, and healed. So I pay attention to the spiritual aspect of life without it being woo-woo and watch it. I literally let my client watch it affect every part of their life, including their relationships. I love it. This is so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Everybody, if you want to get in on the Hero 7, you can go to adamjablin.com. We will put the link in the show notes. And I assume if anybody has any questions about sobriety and, or dating during dry January, they can hit you up on social. Yeah. And I'm very authentic, very real, very transparent and doing it with them. You know, I'm, I'm recently divorced. I'm seeing a beautiful woman and, you know, listen, it's a, it's a trip. The thing is a trip. So, um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm living this with them. And I can't personally, those are the kind of people that I'm attracted to. I, I really don't need a guru telling me where I'm wrong in life. It's a journey, like you said. So journey. thank you for being on the journey with me today, Adam. Glad to have you here. God bless you. Thanks so much. In a moment, I'll be back to answer your questions, including he says he would never cheat, but he covers for someone who does. Is this a red flag? And is I'll get back to you an okay response if someone asks me out? (laughs) Can't wait for this. Stick around. New year, new you, new questions to tackle. Dear Damona. Damona, help me. This question came to me on Instagram from a listener named Elle. She says, Hi, Damona. I love all your advice. I need some help. So I'm in a relationship with this guy. I realized he is my boyfriend, but it just wasn't a said thing. However, he is very transparent, sometimes too transparent. He says he has no need to cheat because he is kind of lazy when it comes to it. He says, I am already too much for him mentally, that another person would cause more stress than he could handle. (laughs) But he covers for someone who is messing around. And I feel that he is guilty by association. What is the bros before hoes mentality when one is over 30? Is this a red flag to be cautious or walk away? Let me know. Thanks so much. All right, Elle, I'm going to unpack. You said a whole lot of things, so I'm going to unpack this. Let's just start with your, let's work backwards. Bros before hoes mentality, over 30. Uh, I don't think it's an age thing, and I don't even think it's a bros before hoes thing. Can we say that? Can we stay hoes? I don't know. I think hoes got canceled, L. Anyways, uh, here's the deal. I I really believe that people need to step into their own personal responsibility. And um, I've talked on the show before about, you know, finding out if somebody is cheating and whether you should say something. I don't think there's any winning in that situation, particularly if it's his friend. His friend, like his friend, he's going to tell his friend's girlfriend, you know, my, my best my best bud is cheating on you. How is she going to react to that? And how how is he going to win in that situation? His friend is going to hate him. His friend's girlfriend may not even believe him or, and, may, and may also hate him as well. It's going to put undue stress on your relationship. In my opinion, there's no winning. His friend needs to have personal responsibility. And maybe, maybe he could coach his friend into like doing the right thing. I would say that is probably his strongest obligation, but it's not his job to be the person of morality. And I, I don't believe that it reflects necessarily on his relationship with you. That said, now we're working backwards. He says he has no need to cheat because he's kind of lazy when it comes to it. Elle, I don't like that. I don't like that. How about he has no need to cheat because he's so madly in love with you and you give him everything that he needs. So that's enough. I'm wondering, Elle, if you have this fear of being cheated on. I don't know where it comes from. Past relationships, relationships modeled for you. I media literature I don't know but maybe you have this fear and you have been a little heavy-handed with asking him about it is that a thing because I uh lazy is not a reason to not cheat okay (laughs) commitment is a reason not to cheat but regardless L 
you got to clarify. If you just real finally realized he's your boy, boyfriend, let's have good communication here. Is he your boyfriend? Let's clarify that with him. Let's get an understanding of what that means. Because honestly, some people feel that they're in relationships. They realized a person is their boyfriend and their boyfriend's idea of a relationship is an open relationship. So we don't even know what the rules are. There is not a set rule that if you're in a relationship with someone, it means that you are monogamous and exclusive. It's it's just that that doesn't exist anymore. So we absolutely have to clarify what the rules are of the relationship that you're in. So you have some homework to do, Elle. You need to really clarify wh- what you are, what are the rules of re- the relationship. And I would not be so quick to slap him with the red flag just because his friend is cheating. It doesn't necessarily mean that he and his friend have the same perspective on relationships or have the same values. Our second question was emailed to us from a listener called C. They say, you often talk about transitioning from texts to phone calls or video chats as part of the screening process. Ooh, somebody's been taking notes. How do you take the next step from there? What happens if I'm on a video chat or call with a guy and I'm just not feeling it? But at the end of the conversation, he asks me out for an in-person date. I don't want to be put on the spot. I'm afraid I might say yes, just to be nice. I would much rather have time to process the conversation before making that decision, especially if I am meeting multiple people this way for the first time. I don't want to ghost anyone, but I also don't know if I feel comfortable saying no thank you at that moment. I would rather send a follow-up message. What's the protocol here? See, I love you. I know we don't know each other, but I love how you are really taking this in and processing what what is happening at each phase and you are implementing it. It's like exactly what we do in the Dating Accelerator program. So you have recognized that in your screening process for slow love, you need some time. You need some time to figure out how you feel. And you don't want to just blindly say yes or say no. And I think it's beautiful that you're acknowledging that because we are always looking for red flags, green flags, checking a list. We're so, so eager to move on to the next phase, whether it's a yes or no, that sometimes we don't let the things that that person said or the way that we feel really sink in. You know, we, I've talked about the the seven seconds to make a first impression. So many times people are are determining within seven seconds whether they want to go out with this person again or not. And sometimes it is a little bit more of a slow burn. So what I would say is if you have a clear no in your mind, if there were any legitimate red flags, like they made you feel uncomfortable, they um, they really don't have your values or your same goals for the future, you didn't feel respected, you didn't feel like you could trust them. If you see that in date one, you can you can absolutely say no. And I'm really bullish about people finding their voice on dates. I really want to normalize speaking our truth on dates. And if you have clarity on something, I want to normalize just saying how you feel. We're all trying to play this game. And then we're making assumptions based on what we think the other person might be thinking or feeling or what they want and losing touch of what we actually want just because we we are thinking it's easier to play the game that way. I also want to normalize getting comfortable with 
feeling uncomfortable. And I know that's weird. Like not uncomfortable like the person says something that makes you uncomfortable, but uncomfortable by doing things, taking actions ourselves that expand our comfort zone and that are a little different than how we would normally do it because that's how we grow and that's how we learn. And if we all stay in this place of like, oh, I don't know how to, it makes me feel weird when I say that. I don't know how to do that. I don't want to hurt the other person. Then we're not taking care of ourselves. So I'd love for you to just practice that. If you are clear and you don't want to go out with them again, I would love for you to say, I'm just, I'm going to give you the language. See, I'm going to make it super easy for you. Just say, you seem really great, but I feel like we are not on the same page and I don't want to waste your time. So I wish you lots of luck, um, but uh, I don't think this is a match. And then, and then you don't have to deal with it again because if you defer that decision and you're like, well, I think it's probably a no. And then you think about it for 24 hours later. And then they text you again. They're like, what about that date you said yes to? And then you start to feel guilty because you're like, well, I really don't want to go on the date. But should I go on the date? Maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe I should give this guy a second chance. Well, even though and then you're 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 expending so much more emotional energy trying to make a decision that you already made a decision about. See, so if you know, you know. Now, if you don't know, I think you just go ahead and say, um, that sounds great. You know, I'd, I'd love to get to know you more. And just leave it at that. And then if you have a change of heart 24 hours later, it's okay. I, I find that people would be... I love getting letters on this show from people who are like, wow, I just said how I feel. I just, I told somebody I wasn't interested and they actually thanked me. I thought they were going to yell at me and call me a bitch and tell me that, that I was shallow. But actually, they said, thank you. Thank you for not wasting my time. Time is our most valuable resource. You've heard me say this on the show before. So respecting somebody else's time, if you have clarity that it's not a fit, is one of the most compassionate things you can do. So if we can reframe our thinking around it is it lacks compassion if you say no to someone and instead think of it as showing compassion and respect for them and their time, you can have a completely different relationship with your response here. And you can get a completely different outcome for that. Of course, you know, I love the three date rule. And if you are still curious after the first date and you're not really sure, go on the second date and see what unfolds. This has been episode 394 of Dates and Mates. I want to help you. I really, really want to help you get unstuck in love. Please DM me your questions. I'm at Damona Hoffman on all of the socials. You can also leave me a voicemail or text me at 424-246-6255. And if you are ready to completely change the way that you date and get the system, you get a lot of advice on this show, but having the accountability, having the support, having the guidance from me where every week we can talk live and you can ask me your questions as you go through the dating process and the 10 steps that are revealed in the videos and audios and workbook in the program, let me invite you in the community. You can find out more and sign up now at DemonaHoffman.com slash program. All the fun starts January 20th, and I don't want you to miss out. We will be back next Tuesday with my friend Kimberly Snyder. She is a spiritual guide and holistic wellness expert. She's also the author of the upcoming book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life. 
Trust me, it's a good one. Until then, I wish you happy dating.